Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new The Changemaking Podcast with Chloe Mestagi. Each episode will introduce an area of technology that needs work and highlight the changemakers working on it. Join Chloe and guests as they tap into their passion about equity and rights for all. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. And welcome to another episode of the Change Making Podcast with ITSP Magazine. I'm your host, Chloe Miss Doggy, and today I have the wonderful Dominique West, who is the TAM manager at Datadog. Dominique, say hello and tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Hello, I'm so happy to be here and to talk with you, Chloe. My name is Dominique West. I'm currently the team lead for uh, the GRC team here at Datadog, um, which kind of covers everything from, you know, third-party vendor risk management to security and compliance policy, security awareness, all of that good stuff. Um, yeah, I'm also the chief of membership for the Women's Society of Cyber Jutsu, which is a women's nonprofit aimed at empowering women in the field of cybersecurity and information security. And lastly, I'm the creator of Security in Color, a podcast and platform aimed at providing educational resources to everyone with the aim of making cybersecurity uh, more accessible to, to the masses. So super excited to, to speak with you today, Chloe. Well, I'm excited to dive into all these things. So I like to first start off with Dominique, how did you get to where you are today in this industry? Like, how did you even hear about InfoSec or how did you learn that this could be a career or industry for you to explore? Yeah, the uh, <laughs> golden question everyone gets, right? Um, for me, I always tell the story. I knew nothing about information security when I was in my undergrad. Um, at that time, I don't want to date myself. So we're just going to say, you know, that a little while ago. There we go. That works. <laughs> when I was an undergrad, the emphasis on technology was specifically on developers, right? So those wanting to be a developer, I'm an engineer, uh, networking uh, were some of the classes. I think at that time, I remember taking a, 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 a C++ class. Like there was a lot of more legacy emphasis of some systems within the school that I went to heard nothing about information security or cybersecurity or that being a viable option. So when I landed my first job, shout out to the Rubin Museum. I always shout them out because that was my favorite job in the beginning. Um, at that time, I had started off in um, help desk. I think it was called like information analyst, so to speak, but it was essentially a help desk um, situation, you know, supporting the users. Um, who worked at the museum at the time. And from there, I distinctly remember a time that my mother and I were both, um, became victims of credit card fraud um, in the sense that someone tried to purchase $800 worth of Baby R Us uh, items, I guess, um, on both her credit card and mine. And that incident, you know, fortunately we were able to have the money recovered, <clears throat> but that incident, led me down a rabbit hole because I went into investigation mode, right? I'm, I'm naturally curious. So I'm, I wanted to know one, how did, <laughs> who did this, right? 
Um, how did they get our information? You know, my mother and I at the time both had two separate credit card vendors um, at that time. So I was trying to pinpoint what went down the rabbit hole of what would be more of the kind of investigation, <laughs> doing my own investigation of, hey, did we shop, you know, at the same place recently, right? Trying to pinpoint a shop that maybe had gotten breached. And that's when I learned about hacking. That's when I learned about security investigations. Um, and that kind of opened my eyes to, whoa, there's a whole subsect of technology that I knew nothing about. Um, and that's when I learned about Security Plus and how you can study for things like this and you can become a hacker for actual organizations or what we have considered like a, a, um, a white hat hacker now. And that is really what led me into um, cybersecurity. And then as I started to navigate and, you know, uh, find out more information about the different kinds of careers that you can have in this field, I think that led me, I would just, you know, it fed my curiosity into being a um, a field that was challenging, especially at that time, we didn't have the breaches that were so prevalent in the news. It was just starting to happen. Um, and that's just kind of what led me into, hey, like there's there's this whole world where things are going on and people are being attacked or organizations are looking to figure out how they can secure themselves. And I'm interested in figuring out how I can help. Well, Very long-winded answer, I guess. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think this is the first time I ever heard that one of the things that kind of piqued their interest was a credit card fraud, <laughs> yeah. um, especially involving one's mom as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. Definitely original topic there, but it, unfortunately, a common experience for many yeah. uh, on that front. Like, I usually I hear stories about people like, oh, my Instagram was breached and it was from mm -hmm. that day onwards that I wanted to prevent <laughs> those things from happening to other women or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you definitely have had a journey of getting into <laughs> this space and you're killing it in, in the space. And I, I want to first go into the uh, Security and Color podcast and I yeah. want to understand a little bit about the background and what what were the the moments i guess in your career or the things that you saw or observed that led to this idea to be oh this needs to be this needs to happen and i guess it's <laughs> going to be me cuz it's always going to fall yeah. on me right that's usually right. how it goes it is and that's so funny you said that recently uh, I'm not sure if you've watched the Emmys, um, but um, Lizzo had accepted an award, you know, and she was making, she made this statement that I wind up taking a screenshot of and putting it on my phone because she had said, you know, she had grown up watching TV and she wished she saw, um, as a little girl, she had wished she saw people who look like her, who were fat like her, who were black like her, you know, in the media. Um, and she realized that it had to be her, right? <laughs> that she was the one who, who had to pick up that mantle and be that person for that little girl that she wanted to be. And that's something I think that resonated with me because um, a couple of years ago, so Security and Color, again, the podcast and platform that it created, um, really the aim in the beginning was, and it still is coming back to it, was just like a hobby, right? So as a security professional, for us to be able to do our jobs, or at least for me, <laughs> to be able to do my job, right? I have to keep up to date with what's happening, right? So I, I do my research, I read the, the articles about the latest breaches, or just the latest happenings that are happening in technology. And at that time, I think this is when podcasts were pretty popular, but not cybersecurity 
focus podcast. Um, and a lot of the news um, uh, vendors or uh, news sites, I should say, that I would go to were all either very complicated to read for the average person, right? Like if you weren't in the field, you would look at this article thinking it looked essentially like a foreign language, right? So the, the technology and accessibility of being able to digest the information I noticed was a bit difficult. And then when I looked at the um, people who were in this space, right, in the podcast, cybersecurity podcast space and the cybersecurity news cycle space, they all looked different from me, right? It was very few women and very few black people, right, or people of color. Uh, so for myself, I wanted to be able to um, have a resource that I can go to and read about whatever information is out there, but also share with my family and friends. I'm really big on evangelizing cybersecurity for people who are not cybersecurity professionals, right? Because um, hackers or uh, the bad actors who are out there affect everyone, right? So for my mom, right, when things happen that might affect her and her identity being taken, or my friends and family who are participating, you know, as consumers of social media platforms or platforms where we have to create accounts where their information could be taken, right? They don't know where to begin or what resources or what tools are out there that they can use, or they don't know the uh, significant implications of, uh, you know, having Alexis. And this is the time I think uh, where uh, things were coming out where, oh, having, you know, smart devices and Alexa is listening to you, right? <laughs> and your information is being siphoned, you know, by these companies. And a lot of my friends would come to me and say, like, what does this mean? Or, or I received this notification, what should I do? Um, so that's where really the idea of security in color came from. It was a way for me to um, make the uh, information about these events that were happening that affected my family and friends more accessible and was an easy way for me to make sure I'm keeping up to date with what's happening by just writing blog posts, right? I started off just writing blog posts. Those blog posts turn, turned into newsletters that I can just send out to those who are interested and they wanted to learn more. And then naturally, I think that just progressed the podcast, right? People want to talk about something and I like to talk. So it was just easier for me to, you know, uh, I'd have a topic that I like to talk about or something that I was interested in. And, you know, my friends and family, they're not in technology and they're tired of me talking their ears off. So I was like, well, let me just talk about it for 20 minutes on a podcast and put it out there and see if people are interested. So, um, yeah, that's how it came to fruition. And, and you know, um, I really enjoy that work. I really enjoy connecting with people who are interested or connecting just with people who are um, curious about the field and what to do and, and um, you know, how to learn more. So that, that's really where this, this whole platform idea had, had sparked from. I love that. Also, the whole thing about like, you were writing and then went to speaking, because I find it so much easier to do podcasts than versus to write. Because <laughs> I feel like I don't want, I think people can always misinterpret what you write, you know, like, yeah, anytime. But when it comes to like a podcast or like a video, like you can explain things where, you know, yeah. people will be like, oh, okay, that's what they meant by that. Because you can right. keep going on it. 
Right. Yeah. And I, I feel you on like, you know, talking about security with, with other people that aren't in security, like maybe family members and them be like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. You get the glazed eye look. Right. They're like, are you done? I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> Let me go find somebody else. <laughs> yeah. It basically at the end of the day. Um, okay. So now let's go into cyber jitsu um, yeah. and how you came across them and what was the the passion that you had to wanting to become like a chief of membership or how did the opportunity end up in a situation where you're like, I want that one. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. What were those moments? Cause I mean, I love cyber jitsu. I love what they do. They're making such a difference for so many people in this industry, but also people are trying to break into the industry to know they're not alone or isolated. And there's all these really fabulous people in it. Yeah. Um, this came about a couple of years ago. I uh, was living in Atlanta at the time, <clears throat> and this was the same time that I was um, thinking about security and color. I think at that time, it's really looking for community, right? I was trying to figure out who I can talk to about all, the, all of these cybersecurity things that I was excited about and wanted to do. And at the time, <clears throat> I was attending meetups in the Atlanta area, and all of them were geared towards um, again, developers or um, at that time, especially because I had my best friend, she was in um, user experience and user design, right? So when we go to the technology meetups, I noticed that either one, there weren't many cybersecurity professionals in those spaces or at least attending and maybe the ones that I, were go I was going to the wrong ones, maybe. Um, or two, you know, every time I would talk about cybersecurity, I would get the same <laughs> glazed eye look from, you know, people who just maybe don't know about the space, right? Who find security pretty complex and the automatic narrative, I think, is like, oh, you work with hackers, like you're trying to stop hackers kind of thing. And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure, right? Like there's, there's, it's more, it, there's more to it than that, right? Um, so I, I really was looking for community and um, I wanted to have either the similar kind of meetups with cybersecurity professionals. I wanted to connect with other women in this space. And I remember going to a conference in um, Atlanta and I met two other women who at that time, they were just getting started with uh, the Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu and kind of introduced me to it, right? And connected me with Mary Galloway, shout out to Mary, who's the uh, CEO of the organization. And really was trying to understand more about what they do uh, as an organization, as a nonprofit, and how I could help. Like, can we have something like this in Atlanta? They had at that time some chapters in Florida, I think in California, um, but there weren't any in Atlanta. So she's like, hey, why don't you do you guys, are you interested in starting a chapter? So we started a chapter in Atlanta. And when we put the first call out to have a networking, there were so many women who came who said, I too, I've been looking for meetups or um, just spaces where um, I can talk with other women in the field or find out more information that really connect. Um, so the, it, it really came from the desire of wanting to connect with other like-minded individuals. And from there, it kind of branched out even more where, you know, at, at that time, the pandemic just started. So we had to pivot from in-person to virtual, but that also allowed us to expand a little bit more. So we started holding more virtual events and having connections through uh, happy hours or hosting workshops. And um, I, for one, like I, at that time, I've been in my career for quite some time 
and I wanted to figure out, well, how can I give back? I, I've been fortunate enough to have this very diverse um, uh, career experiences where I've, you know, I specialize in cloud security. So I was able to uh, do cloud workshops for some of our newer members who were trying to figure out how to get in that space. How do I learn? How do I attain certifications? Um, and from there, I think I just got so entrenched. I believe in the mission of uh, CyberJutsu so much that I wanted to take it to a next level, especially because I know I want to go on the leadership track in my own career. So being a lead, a t um, uh, what do you call it? A chapter lead for Atlanta, I think naturally helped me in, in leading that team there and really um, evangelizing those efforts uh, kind of helped me be more comfortable taking my leadership to the next level in terms of, okay, how do we become more targeted? And um, from a membership perspective with the chief of membership, how do we become more targeted and not only attract new members, but retain the members we have, right? And make sure that uh, I'm doing my part in increasing the number of women we have in this field, right? Because we we can, we can Google the statistics, right? Everyone can of how many women are in the field of technology, let alone in the field of cybersecurity, right? And especially because I distinctly remember, I think it was last year reading how a large majority of the women of those uh, advancements we made for women in the field of cybersecurity and technology were erased over the pandemic, right? Simply because of the nature of how it has changed the way we work and the way um, daycare is, the way, you know, the family is and how a lot of women had to take a step back from the field, right? So we lost a lot of women and it's figuring out how I can help participate in pushing the needle forward and not only getting those women back, but for the women who are trying to figure out, well, how do I navigate this? How do I continue my career and get these resources while also still trying to provide and be there for my family and how do I do that balance so um it's like I said it's it's a mission and and work that I fully believe in I love every single person that I've met through this organization Mary you know even even with Mary she's been an instrumental you know friend honestly like it's it's been great to be part of an organization where it's not like Oh, um, you know, I show up to this and I, I really don't like what I'm doing or I, I wholeheartedly love it. The people I've met have become really close friends of mine. Um, so it's just been a really great organization and a really great way for me to to be part of a community. Yeah, I mean, I remember meeting Mary back in it was 2018, I want to say. Yeah, in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, it was like for, I was creating some like women event, which had like various different organizations. We all came together in San Francisco. Nice. Um, and it was a lot of fun. But it was wonderful because like the first time I ever met Mary, we were at a tiki bar. And so it was, it was just like a lot of fun. It was just like, you know, it was very badass. They had all these like women from Cybertrace who was in this room. <laughs> And there's like this like <laughs> volcano that goes off and it was just like a lot of fun. And that's that the thing about, like fun. right. It's, it's the thing about Mary is like, she's incredibly, she, she knows what she talks about. She knows yeah. with the issues she knows yeah. of, you know, of how you can help people out and totally driven to like change because the frustrations are there you know yeah and uh, you know it's really empowering to see something like that it's hard to find once in a while what are you doing yeah like, wait till I text her after this yeah <laughs> like, listen 
that's to you. She's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah. And, and you're, you did mention something about like that balancing of like work and personal life and everything. Mm-hmm. And that, I feel like that's definitely has been a struggle for like women and people of color, especially during the pandemic. And even to yeah. this day, actually, even before then, let's be real, like, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to push back when someone's like, I need you to do this, even though it's not part of your role. The thing is, yeah. it's like, you know, that you don't want to cause a problem. And it always feels like you don't have job security in a sense. And so mm-hmm. it's one of those things that's hard to have that work-life balance because you're being overtasked on things. And then people be like, why isn't this person doing better? It's like, hmm, yeah. I wonder why. So what are some ways that, you know, companies can ensure that there's more of that work and personal life balance for their, especially people on security teams that you would recommend? Mm-hmm. Um. Especially I can talk to you, I'm uh, a people manager, right? So I am in a position where I actively have to make sure, or I was supposed to say, I take the (laughs) initiative to make sure that my team is okay on all fronts, right? So a lot of that comes from the first one that I think anyone can do, which is easy enough is to just check in, check in with the people around you, right? We're all trying to figure this out. We're all, this is, you know, our first time trying to do any of the, you know, any of this. And it's just asking, hey, how are you doing? Are you feeling okay today? Is there anything I can do to support you? Are there any challenges that you're facing that I can maybe remove some barriers for you, right? It's, it's, it's having the empathy and the thought process to look at people as humans first, right? <laughs> Rather than employ- employers, um, employees, excuse me. Um, so that's one of the first and I think easiest things that anyone can do, whether you're a people manager or not. And then the second is providing resources, right? So I'm fortunate to work at a company that has responded with a people first um, action plan when it came to the pandemic, when it comes to the continued um, uh, navigation that we have to do, right? Because we're not in a post-pandemic, we're in a mid-pandemic. I don't know even what they're calling this time frame right now, right? But It's still pandemic, but we'll <laughs> yeah, just exactly. say it's, it's, it's the uh, tail end, hopefully. Yeah, Please tell yeah, us exactly. it's over <laughs> part exactly. here. Right, so whatever this time period is called, right, where... Um, it's providing resources. So the first thing I had just mentioned about are those who are family members, right? Who, uh, or I should say family leaders where they might be moms, dads, partners, whoever, who are leading and maybe have children or other people who depend on them and having the time and space to one set boundaries from a time perspective, right? So can, are you comfortable? Are you empowering your people to sign off at five o'clock, right? And not check in, you know, in the evening or in the time that's dedicated to them, right? So that's one of the first ones, like, are there time boundary? Is your, are your people empowered to sign off, like truly sign off? Because we know that's kind of hard, especially like, you know, taking things off of my phone. I too have to set my own boundaries where it's like, I, this is my time. This is my time for my family, my friends, for myself. Like, let me make sure I'm setting the example so that my team members know that I'm not going to, um, 
respond to them after hours because I don't expect them to respond after hours, right? So it's, it's setting examples such as that. It's providing resources to like, hey, you might need some flexible time off or when's the last time that somebody actually took thorough PTO and not, oh, I took a long weekend. It's no, have you recharged? Especially because this field, right? Cybersecurity, I think it's a, a two-sided coin, right? I love the fact that there's so many things happening in this field where there's always challenges there's always things to learn there's always things to do and on the other hand right it prevents or it kind of makes you feel like you always have to be on or it can really lead to burnout it can lead to exhaustion it could lead to overwhelm so it's how do you make it more manageable to sustain or have a career in this field um, but also, you know, using this, uh, something that my therapist, I'm big into therapy, told me is like, how is your job fitting into your lifestyle versus your lifestyle fitting into your job, right? Oh, yeah. Um, that, one, <laughs> that one hits always, I feel. When someone asks you that, you're like, oh, oh God, I've been doing it all wrong. <laughs> my whole life. <laughs> and um, that's just something I've been trying to encourage. And like I said, set the tone. So uh, I guess to keep it short, it's how do I, one, from a people first uh, response, are you checking in with everyone around you? Are you making sure that everyone's okay, you know, physically and mentally? Second, it's how are you setting the tone? How are you providing or setting examples for your team members or for your teams to follow to know that they can set boundaries, they can sign off, they can ask for PTO and know that you know, that fire will not, you know, that they, they're not going to cause a fire, I should say, by by doing so. And I, I think those two, uh, and then three, providing resources, like how can they make sure that they can provide for their families, provide for themselves and know that they have the resources to feel supported. Um, so that way they can come up and show up for the job in the way that you want them to. Absolutely. And just to reiterate, uh, you know, don't have your job, don't wrap your life around your job. No, yeah, don't do that. And like, I think we do that a lot in InfoSec because it's like InfoSec Twitter, InfoSec LinkedIn. I know, now, right? it's everything. It's like everything. And then it's <laughs> like, well, why aren't you looking into it? Why aren't you learning this new thing? It's like, well, because I, I need to have a life outside I of sleep. InfoSec. <laughs> I want to sleep. And then I also want to do something that is far, far away from InfoSec once in a while. That's possible. Exactly. Um, yeah, that was something like I kind of started getting into during the pandemic was realizing how much I had my life you know, my life, my identity, was my identity yeah. right, was my job. And I don't know if it's yeah. something like our generation and the younger generation has basically been brought up to believe you are what your job is. It's so weird because like, I think it's also a culture thing in the US because in the mm, US yeah, it's absolutely. like, oh, what do you do? It's like immediately asked, even if you're going yep. to like a friend's party or something <laughs> yeah oh, what do you do it's like yeah it's so weird because like if you go to other countries now I don't want to ask care. that question they don't even care they're like oh so what are some of the hobbies you do that's what they ask instead. I know. and they yeah. ask us to Americans and we're like hobbies what's that hobbies what's that oh you mean my uh you know shuffling from different infosec <laughs> news and reading yeah, it to and one listening. another right right i mean going from from linkedin infosec linkedin to infosec <laughs> twitter like that's what, <laughs> that's what my hobby is and then and then you know it's always in your back of your mind like which one's more healthier 
Neither. Neither <laughs> are. That is usually Wait. the <laughs> That's the answer. At the end of the That's day. Oh, what is the answer at the end of the day? Um, I was gonna say if you don't realize after this conversation, I'm I'm quitting InfoSec Twitter at this point. I'm quitting InfoSec. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I have to admit, I think during the pandemic, I just tried all the different ways how to separate myself. I had like two different phones. I had one ah. for like InfoSec and then one that was for, you know, family Personal. and friends outside. And that was really fun. It was really easy to do because then I just turned oh. off my InfoSec phone on the weekends. I'm like, there we go. And then I recently put a, um, what do you call it? Um, for the iPhones, I put the timer on. Oh, I put yeah. the timer on for social media in general because I don't want to spend as much time on social media. But now that recently, I only allowed myself 30 minutes for any social media. So that's between Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever the case may be. And you never realize how quickly that goes by. And I've been sticking to no matter what, when that 30 minute timer is off, you cannot sign back on. That means you need to go find something else to do with your life. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. When I, I did something similar to that. And so I was like, Oh, I'm not going to use social media. So I did that for quite some time, but what I did was I replaced it with something else, oh. which ended up being <laughs> reading the news. It was reading oh, the news, no, which that's is like the worst, because first thing in the morning, I read the news. When I would oh, no. go to bed, I'd read the news. Throughout the day, I'd read oh, the news. No. And like, this was like, you know, oh, this no. is during the pandemic time. And then like, yeah. it just seemed like the whole world was always on fire. I mean, it still does yeah. feel like that sometimes. It is on fire. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, now I'm like, oh, no, I'm doing the same thing I did with social media. So yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Anyway, so Dominique, before we go, first of all, thanks for joining today. But what is one thing that you wish or you need or anything that any of our listeners that are catching this episode, how can they help you in your career, your journey, or any of the projects that you're doing that are making a difference? Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing would be to support, right? And support comes in a variety of ways. If you see, um, for example, this podcast, right, it will be shared, share the podcast, share the platform, join um, the network, join the organizations that I've mentioned, um, and share with your family and friends and, you know, become an evangelist. If you're someone who's interested and you're figuring out how can I participate? How can I help out or how can I be an ally, right? Allyship has been um, a really big topic. Support, right? Uh, I know there's sometimes um, people are not really too sure how they can show up for other people. And I, I at least know for myself, whenever I'm asked for this question, it's like, hey, if you ever have time to just press repost, <laughs> if you ever have time to uh, support and, and donate and give time to the nonprofit organizations to help women, that's enough, right? It doesn't have to be, I think a lot of people think it needs to be this huge grand gesture. And something as simple as just saying, hey, I found a podcast, Security and Color, that's awesome, you should take a listen. That's one more person that you helped expose my platform to and that has helped me in more ways than you can imagine. So yeah, support comes in a, a, a myriad of ways and if people are just interested in learning more information, I'm always happy to have discussions and help out as much as possible or connect the dots for you. So I think that would be the one biggest takeaway is if, if support comes in um, so many avenues and if you're able to do any one of those, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. 
Absolutely. Well, folks, that is all that we have today. Thank you for joining on this podcast. Dominique, it's a pleasure to have you and keep us posted on anything. If there's anything that I could do or we can do, feel free to share it. And everyone, yeah. And everyone, I will see you in the next episode. Have a good one. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Change Making Podcast with Chloe Mestagi. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.